is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon Jomakos, Dan, no Nick, because where is Nick, Dan? He was in the stands. He was in the stands, getting a chance to witness firsthand the failure of Chelsea to get their business done in the first midweek match of the 2022-2023 campaign. And boy, oh boy, the best part, potentially, that he was spotted on the broadcast. Yes, that's right. People found him. They did a little Where's Waldo, a little Where's Nicholas. And we had a chance to see exactly how he we knew he would be feeling. Yeah, he's not going to be allowed back uh, for any away matches. I just, I just don't see it happening for him. Uh, he was bad luck. Look, it happens. But we, we can't have that. So, Nick, come on home, big guy. We'll try it again from the States. But miss you. Ho- hope you're having fun. So, uh, you know, he's having beers with Chidge and Jesse and all these other friends. So uh, good for him. Uh, like, his, like good old Uncle Chidge always says, uh, a football ruins a good day out. So uh, absolutely nailed that one. Uh, look, we're going to be talking about the Southampton match review. That's right. The, uh, the miserable loss uh, over at Southampton. Uh, we're going to be talking about how Chelsea got bullied by the Saints on the coast, and everyone seems bereft of answers. I'm assuming you meant bereft in the script, Dan, but you you can clarify if, if needed. Yeah. Um, missing in midfield, the gaping hole, and immediate area of need. I went on some Twitter rants about that, so uh, I might be able to speak a little bit more in depth here on the pod. And then 48 Hours FC becomes 24 Hours FC. Will Chelsea be able to reinforce before the transfer window closes? Who knows? Not us, but it seems like it is heating up. So as always, Dan, to, to kick it off, to make sure that we are uh, getting a good temp check from the lovely people out there, we've got the three-word match review. What did the lovely people have to say? Well, look, it was like walking into a burning building and coming out a little bit of a uh, like a piece of burnt toast because uh, there was an inferno for the three-word match reviews. With Mr. Thurman just starting out with, not great, Dan. It's Sebastian with the not good enough. Craig was scored conceded folded our good friend shane with tuchel tinker turd we had techie with the how nick feels using the screenshot of nick verlaney responding to the it's i like how it's the 89th minute and 17 seconds where we get this captured and you could just see him staring out into space uh, absolutely capturing how you feel it rpr with the I'm in danger, Ralph Wiggum on the bus uh, gif, which is probably a very, uh, very good one there. Mr. George Smiley with the uh, fucking dog shit. And uh, I did say excuse the profanities. We had uh, Khalid with the we suck again, JL, with the to quote Tuchel, soft, soft, soft. RJ with the saints and sinners. And yeah, there were uh, many more not fit for publication, but the attitude, not great. Not great, Brandon. No, sure, sure, sure was not, sir. Uh, I put midfield needs CPR. I am just going to just continue to beat this drum. Look, I started talking about this, Dan, back in the Keep So Lone episodes. You guys were all kind of spreading out your your buy spots, and I loaded up in center backs, obviously, because they were all shipping out, but then midfield. I didn't even touch the attackers. I've been ranting about the midfield. Joe Tweeds has been ranting about the midfield probably for actually about a year now. It is finally glaringly obvious. So CPR is the only thing that can save this midfield. Uh, is it more like Jaws of Life and like a defib or something? Like we're in a bad spot with it, and we'll get into it more. I went with Chelsea's coastal capitulation because we went down to the coast, and boy, oh boy, we looked second best to everything after that first goal went in. We were looking bright in the beginning. First twenty looked really solid. We probably could have had a second, probably could have had a third even, even though the XG would say that that is not correct. But just the way it felt, how the movement was going, that you were finding pockets of space. And yeah, we did not react well to getting punched in the gut or punched in the mouth or whatever body part we got punched in. Boy, oh boy, we had no fight and resolve left in us. And for 70 minutes, it didn't feel like anything was happening. Like there was ever a chance that we were going to come back to let alone equalize or to go ahead and advance. So not good sign, not good times. Man, you extrapolated a hell of a lot out of that uh, alliteration. So impressive, sir. 
look, no shout outs for Patreon, uh, but definitely go check it out. If you're looking for a community, especially on days like this, uh, the discord, even up to right now is still, you know, lots of chatter on it, lots of, uh, coping mechanisms being deployed. Uh, so go check it out, uh, on Patreon. That's how you get access to the discord server on Apple podcasts, uh, clown dog from Canada joining us on that five-star bandwagon, which we very, very much appreciate. We go toe to toe with the, uh, big media networks. And again, it just helps uh, support uh, independent podcasters and help us be seen uh, because we're not that corporate mumbo jumbo. You get the real, real feels here. And then Spotify, we've hit 1.4. So thank you for five stars on 1.4 thousand of you, uh, obviously, or 4.9 on average. But anyways, road to 1.5. Realistically, we rode to 2K because that's where we should be uh, so we can catch Apple Podcasts. So anyways, uh, it is time to jump into the match review. It was Southampton this past Tuesday, the first midweek match, as Dan said earlier, on the 30th of August. We were playing in the Premier League at St. Mary's Comedy Club, where the joke's on us. Uh, good writing from Dan there. Southampton 2, Chelsea 1, in case you missed it. Goals coming uh, from Raheem Sterling in the 23rd minute, Romeo Lavia, Lavia, Lavia in the 28th minute, and then Adam Armstrong uh, 45th plus one stoppage time of the first half. So instead of the Chelsea fifth stand highlights, Dan, we've actually got a little bit of a surprise. We do. We have Nick Verlaney's voice note from after the match that we're going to drop in here because, look, I don't think anybody wants to hear the fifth stand highlights. Let's listen to what Nick had to say. So, Jake, do your magic. Hello, London is Blue family. Uh, this is this is your boy Nick, uh, all the way from the lovely slash terrible city of Southampton, uh, where I've just taken in uh, Chelsea 1, Southampton 2. Uh, it was as bad as it seemed on TV. I promise you that. Um, I'm going to get into a quick little bit on the day out and uh, and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think just I'm going to start off with, with the inevitable thing, which is the vibes are bad right now. That was an unacceptable midweek performance. I think everyone who watched it knows that um, it was worse in the stands because there was just no, there was just nothing in sight that you were going to see from this team. They look like they have regressed very significantly uh, year over year, even though we brought in a ton of new talent. Everyone looks tired. Um, and I think when you look at the lineup and you look at the way the team played, no one really knew where the other was supposed to be. There was no flow offensively. We got lucky on the goal and we got um, torn apart, basically, and outpressed, out hustled, out thought by Southampton. And that is every other game right now. Um, and I'll say the atmosphere in the ground to start was very positive and it quickly turned um, due to what was an incredibly bad midfield performance and what was an incredibly lackluster attack. And the team could not connect passes. They couldn't do anything. And I can tell you, I watched the defense in the first half. I watched the attack coming at me in the second half. I wish I would have seen the defense again. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. The attack was so, so bad. A couple of little bright moments when Broya came on. But other than that, I mean, it was just... No idea what he's asking Christian Pulisic to do. I had no idea what he was asking uh, Ziyech to do. I had no idea what Mason Mount was doing out there. He played two left wing backs at the same time. Kukurea at left center back. Bennett left at left wing back. Nothing doing. It was, uh, it was just bad. Um, it was bad all around. Uh, I think Tuchel needs to have a real hard think about how he approaches every match because right now he's, he's running on fumes with some of the supporters in the stand. Um, and, you know, to, to hustle down here to watch that was, was tough, um, tough to bear. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff needs to change on that front. Um, on the more positive side, uh, I did uh, get to hang out with, uh, with Blue Royalty host uh, Jesse Parker Humphreys for a, a handful of beverages Pre-match, the pub was fantastic. Um, also got to see the pod father of Stanford Chidge for, for a fair bit. The city uh, looked beautiful today. You know, we had a, a nice walk over, a nice chat. I could not post any of the content I took because the uh, the Wi-Fi was 
uh, and, the, and the service was just so bad around the stadium, which you come come to expect around these stadiums these days. But uh, that's why you didn't see any live updates from me. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to give you guys a little something, a little taste uh, of what it was like being there. Uh, hint, it wasn't great. And, uh, yeah, let's hope that there's a uh, plan B, C, D, E, and F moving forward because that was uh, unacceptable. All right. This is Nick from Southampton signing off. All right, coming out of that, let's go ahead and do our traditional lineup stats, XG, Dan. Uh, lineup time, another new formation. Again, 4-2-4-4-2-2-2-4-4-2-4-3-3. Your guess is as good as mine. Well, look, it was Ebon Mendy between the sticks. Thiago Silva, Koulibaly coming in back off of his one-game suspension. Aspilicueta and Marco Correa as your defense with midfielders, including Jorginho, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and... This is also including Mason Mount as a part of that. And you had Raheem Sterling, Hakim Ziyech, and Kai Havertz, according to the Premier League website, as your forward line. You had substitutes unused of Kepari Fablaga, Ethan Ampadu, who's supposed to be signing his loan for Spezia. Um, we had Carnes, we had Billy Gilmar, we had Harvey Vale as unused. And then we saw Ben Chill, Mateo Kovacic, Christian Pulisic, and Armando Broja come off the bench. So... We started players that didn't want to be here. We subbed on players who didn't want to be here or were unhealthy. And uh, we players that didn't want to be here, we left on the bench. And there's a lot of questions. We'll get into all of them. But just really, really bizarre. All right. Well, we can run through some stats. Pretty interesting uh, as we kind of look through this. So Chelsea with uh, 67, almost 68% possession uh, on the road. We had 10 shots, four on target. Decent conversion on that standpoint. Uh, Saints, though, putting us to embarrassment, they had nine shots, seven on target. That's right. Seven of nine were on target. Efficient, efficient performance from them. To say the least, we had 26 tackles to their 18, even though we had 67% possession. We had 26 clearances to their 29. We had three corners to their five. Three offsides for us to their none. One caution to their two, and we conceded 10 fouls to their 15. And then the XG came in uh, at 1.32 for the Saints and 1.13 for us. I saw a little bit different. Kaylee underscore graphics had us at like a 1.34 to 1.32. Either way, it was on the margins at this point. And the fact we lost 2-1 um, kind of outlines their efficiency uh, probably is, is where they get the edge. Um, no MPET shithouse more than the match. Nick couldn't be bothered. Absolutely, uh, you know, torn up after that one. Just did, had no energy or essentially excitement to talk about it. Uh, but you did pull one random stat, Dan. Yeah, I didn't like pulling this one in either. Uh, there was another one about 2015-16 that felt a little too ominous. So I went with Liam's comment here instead. Liam Toomey from The Athletic, good friend. Chelsea have only come back from a losing position to win three Premier League games under Thomas Tuchel, and all of them were in 2021. Man City away, Leeds at home, and Aston Villa away. And look, there's no sly, off-the-joe, single-word response after that, but I would say underwhelming would be the way that I would refer to that or underperforming when it comes to being able to claw our way back from a losing position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, hopefully we don't have to read too much into that, but uh, thanks, Liam, for that uh, dark cloud on a on a rainy day. So, um, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and take our ad break, uh, get this one out of the way, because when we're back, we're jumping right into how Chelsea were bullied. Uh, and if we had any answers, uh, spoiler alert, we didn't. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With over 5,000-plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire 
situation never happened. Check out my link again. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right, Dan, as we mentioned, Chelsea bullied, but answers lacking. People are evoking the shades of 15-16 as the results on the pitch don't match up with the investment made by Bowling Co. No Reese James due to illness had the feeling something wouldn't go right. Trevo had a knock, and then obviously Connor suspended and Golo injured. Um, I don't know. That's probably most of the situations. It was almost surprising that Ampadu was around. It sounds like he was in Italy recently, potentially. Uh, Ziyech starting, and allegedly he was in Amsterdam as of Sunday. Like, this is just crazy right now. Uh, with all of the lack of settling in this squad, the only answer we really have uh, is that Christian's staying. So... Other than that, I, I don't know where you want to take this, but like, I don't know if people don't want to fight for the team. I mean, we haven't seen Alonzo in in weeks, you know, and um, that's after having sold Emerson. So this squad is is fragile, apparently mentally, and, and, and the fight's not there. And I don't know what it is yet. Is it maybe because there's literally two days left at the time of the match in the transfer window and everyone's literally weighing all of their options and don't want to pick up knocks or anything like that. I mean, surely we can't play this soft all the way up until the World Cup. Now, this is the effect of a million snowflakes that have become the snowball that is now cascading down the hill that is turned into the avalanche of multiple years of poor recruitment, of not resolving contract situations, not bouncing at the midfield to the point you had there. But I think where I would want to take this is Shane asked the question in our discord of us is, do you think the performances we've given so far this season are reflective of the quality of the squad? And I would say looking at it holistically, when you think about where we are relative to our competition, you know, we are a side that is currently sat in eighth. We played five games. We've won two. We've lost two. We had one draw that draw probably should have been a win so if you kind of just maybe take the anthony taylor fuckery out of it um we've got a negative goal difference negative two we look second best in a lot of the games first game needed a penalty to to win we look like we are still in a extended preseason and some of that's to be expected we didn't have all these players into the side until very recently we could come in very late Chilwell's not back up to full fitness. Koulibaly is getting accustomed to the Premier League. We are in a massive overhaul of this side. We're still lacking in key positions. And I think that this performance or these performances are reflective overall of where the squad is at physically and mentally at this point. And that's the squad encompassing the manager. Because I think everyone is not at their best at the moment. Tensions are high. We're frayed. We're frazzled. We don't respond well to the moment there is a challenge. If we get the early goal and can hold it or get a second, we can usually coast through a match, even after a dip in performance. But we are not built to weather the storm. We are not able to claw back a game at the moment and yeah i know that we only have two losses this season tuchel has 11 total premier league losses over the entirety of his tenure it just doesn't feel good and the squad doesn't feel ready to compete yet we're about to head into champions league matches next week yeah next week ladies and gentlemen next week we are playing dinamo zagreb uh in the champions league uh I, look, I think you could say that the, the results do reflect the quality of the squad. There's a good team in here. We've seen it. You, what you could say against Leicester City, you know, coming over overcoming adversity. You know, we 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 trashed Tottenham and except, you know, a set piece and then another fluke. You know, I I think that this team this is pretty 
evident of this team. I think the the biggest thing I'm holding out for is that there's a lot of distractions because the transfer window is still open and Tuchel hasn't really gotten a chance to say, you're my guys, let's go, because so many people have their eyes elsewhere. We've even heard some stuff behind the scenes that like established players have even thought, maybe I need to go for minutes in the World Cup. It, it's It's crazy. This World Cup effect is not messing around. And I think that's why we struggle. Uh, Tottenham, you can get up for that. Absolutely. And it was fiery. Uh, it was easy for those players to to get into it. You know, we had the lead twice. Um, up tempo, at home, like loving it. Uh, th- this match, you know, our road form might just honestly be absolute dog shit if you look at it. I mean, even Everton was boring. Leeds was a disaster. Today was a disaster. This team must just not like sleeping in hotels or something like that. I, I don't know what it is. But I think you could say that this is pretty accurate picture of this team. They have the abilities on their day to do great stuff, but there is no consistency right now. We need a foundation to push off and find some consistency because we can't go win-loss, win-loss, win-loss all season. You're going to be mid-frickin' table, and that's not going to be enough uh, to, to make it happen. And the quality of the competition continues to get better. You look at Tottenham reinforcing... You look at Arsenal, yes, they've had a lighter schedule to start their season, but they also went down and came back and won. Ours hasn't been hard. (laughs) Like, we all were thrilled when the fixtures came out. Yeah, outside of Tottenham, it felt like it was a very generous intro to the season. Very generous. Yeah. I I would say if I were going to take two positives away from this match— before we talk more about where some of the opportunities were, I would say, one, it's promising that Raheem Sterling has found an ability to score early. And yes, this is against two defenses that actually are not terribly great in Leicester and Southampton. But the we watched a former frontman last season really struggle to find any consistency with a lack of service and even with what you would argue is limited service, a kind of disjointed attack, Kai and Mason really struggling to find uh, not, you know, it's almost like they're doing the Mason and uh, Christian thing from a couple years back where they were basically operating on the exact same areas of the pitch, but they, they're not firing. And yet somehow we're still finding a way to get the ball to Raheem and he's making things happen. So I think that'd be one thing I would say was a very good positive takeaway. The second thing, and it's probably even more scary, is it's kind of worrisome that the best player on the pitch for us was our 38-year-old, effectively 38-year-old center back, who prevented it from being 3-1 with his goal line clearance that was his placement his ability to read where the game is going is fantastic and he's a treasurer and he's already um you know done things this season that are gonna you know kind of i uh, hopefully inspire others i don't know it, i would hope so yeah he had a back heel clearance on on the goal line uh statman dave broke his uh game down uh in numbers uh so Tiago silva had 100 ground duels won 100 successful dribbles 99 touches, 86% pass accuracy, 79 passes, 12 final third passes, which is really impressive. Eight clearances, three blocks, three clearances, good performance, and a losing cause. Uh, you know, Tiago was absolutely immense. Loved to see what he had to offer uh, yet again. But he's got to be exhausted. He's got to wish that, yeah. you know, Trevo getting a knock and Reese being sick. It's like, oh, this would have been the perfect game to give him a well-earned break. You'd assume it's Southampton a little bit lesser got West Ham at the weekend we need to preserve him we are already getting to the point where we're running guys in the yellow on full 90 and this goes into the midfield and some things like that and look I don't know all the fitness levels none of us do we all know that J5 doesn't have legs for days we know Silva doesn't have legs for legs for days we're we're gonna find out what Koulibaly has because it seems like he's not gonna get any any rest um but 
Adam Newsom was, you know, at the presser and Tuchel had these quotes about uh, the toughness and the mentality of his players. And he says, quote, obviously we're not tough enough at the moment to win these matches away, end quote. Then he goes on, quote, soft, soft, soft defending. There's no need to give shots away. Just toughen up as a team and show a different mentality, end quote. I get it. Look, I, our shots, we were outblocked. So you want to talk about a commitment to the cause, right? Uh, of our shots, we had two off target, four blocked. We blocked two of their nine shots. There's a bit of a commitment to the cause in that sense. Um, you want to talk about mentality? Look, Dan, if, if you're being honest, I didn't see a lot of fight out of this group. I thought that Southampton came back and made it extremely physical from the beginning. And the Chelsea players wanted none of that smoke. They didn't want any of them hands. And we ended up actually getting hurried off the ball. I understand the mentality comment, but I also think it's a bit of a scapegoat. Well, it's a reflection of the atmosphere he's creating. You know, this is where I don't feel like I saw a lot of I statements in his responses for what was going wrong or what happened. And this is where Tuchel selected the side. Tuchel put out the players. He had a player in Christian Pulisic, rightly or wrongly. You know, you had away Chelsea supporters pointing out the fact that he was the one player who didn't come over to applaud the away support for traveling and watching that. You have a, a lot of people, a lot of players in this team who don't want to be there. And that's fine. Like, th this is, there's been <sighs> haphazard squad construction for years. There's been high manager turnover and rotation. And if you want to build something with Thomas Tuchel, that is a great idea. And I, I like the idea of trying to build something very cohesive, very intentional, making the right steps to do that. But you also have to own your part in that process and say, look, you know, I, I don't know if I got us ready for this game. You know, I don't know if I prepared us for the fact that Southampton, we're going to do this. Because it's a joint, you know, he coaches them. He makes a decision on who the subs are. He makes a decision on who gets to start. He did all of that. So what changes are you making? Because, I mean, I look at this bench. I Look, I don't think he has a lot of options coming off the bench right now. Broya, kid. Vale, kid. Gilmore, kid. Chukwameka, kid. Uh, Ethan Ampadu, kind of a kid. So that leaves you with Chili B, Mateo Kovacic, and Christian Pulisic. That's only three players with reasonable experience. Well, what about a player in Broya who knows some of these players on this side, having been with them for last year, and potentially looked up for a fight way more than Kai Havertz did today? I mean, that would have been an option for him. Look, it would have been crazy, I think, for some of us to say that. But Kai also has had 0.4 expected goals in terms of the totality of the season so far. Even Mason is struggling to find his way into this attack at the moment. It's a, it's a not good feeling, and I get that. And, you know, you might say you're right, you know, that he doesn't have a lot of opportunity, but Harvey Vale scoring for fun in the PL2 side. Billy Gilmore, I'm sure, would fight to stay if he felt like he had an opportunity to contribute. And, We've seen him give man-of-the-match performances against sides like Liverpool. I I actually think there's more here in this bench than he is willing to say, and I just don't know if he went after the right players here. I mean, you, you had Ruben again, goes out with a hamstring injury. Maybe we should transition into the midfield here because we're kind of talking about him. But, like, the midfield, to me, is the biggest source of pain for this side at the moment because it's completely bypassed. It's not a positive contribution. It is a drain on every match we're playing at the moment. And there's seemingly not a solution, and we've talked about a couple of the reasons why that is, right? Conte's out injured. Jorginho is now being relied upon to be the fit-for-every-match guy, which is not who he is anymore. You have Kovacic on limited minutes. Tuchel said he wanted 20 minutes. Loftus-Cheek goes out injured, but also before he got injured, was struggling to find a connected pass with some of the other players. Gallagher out do a suspension Gilmore only got a squad number this week after Callum left that, that's a lot of you know frankly just 
it does it feels shitty like i i can understand why players don't feel good right now when they watch you know they have to see it right they have to see that this is an area of need that they're being pushed into bad positions potentially for their own fitness for their own future and this is an area that hasn't been reinforced you know one thing you said earlier is you know he coaches them he gets them ready i think you can you know maybe blame him for the mentality of the team but tactically we i don't think we got beat today uh you know i i honestly think like we lost it in the midfield yet again we got swarmed we got pressured uh, our midfield was not helping us the pass map from this match oh boy. it's on twitter we've we've posted it i've posted it on my personal account uh follow me uh road to 5k <clears throat> the pass map is horrific 5k yeah dan some of us are just now growing their following nerd the the pass map is a ton everything sideways everything is sideways. the only four passes are to raheem sterling and it was a 50 50 battle because he had a center back up his ass he had no time on the ball today the other problem here dan is that hakim yeah. ziesh was a dead end if it went from aspi or ruben to ziesh it, the, it was dead there was nothing in front of him to do he he literally has no passes to Raheem Sterling. Now, granted, he played that dime piece of a ball. The NFT pass in the back we, half of the match. Yeah, we, great. We, we know he's got. We know he's got in his locker. But Mason Mount and Kai Havertz are now standing on top of each other on the left side. So Kukurea, Mason, and Kai couldn't even take advantage of an overload on that side. But the fact that the right wing is literally empty. Nobody is there. The midfield, there's about a 25-yard gap between Jorginho and Raheem Sterling and probably about a 15-yard gap between Jorginho and Kai and Mason. And then they're like another 20 yards to the side. It is a circle. This team is a circle. The pass maps are a disaster. There are no layers. There's no progressive passing. It goes left to right and back and left and right and back over and over. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's much more to say on that topic other than... Oh, I have more. Well, it, it won't change unless you have a different profile in the fielder. Like, when you have N'Golo Conte in here, it's different. When you have Reese James in here, it's different. Because he would get further up the pitch. And look, there, there are things coming the very near future in the Fafana signing, in Reese being pushed further forward... As being not potentially starting because, yeah, he kicked the ball out that led to the set piece opportunity that got the first goal happening, which uh, was not great. It was not his kind of finest, finest moment, but he's getting beat for pace by some of the attackers. So he can't push up as far necessarily as he would previously in previous campaigns. And so that's why you see on the right hand side of that pass map, there's vacated space. And they're trying an overload on the left, but it becomes so predictable. There's no way that they're going to be able to break it down. You are not wrong. So our midfielders today, Jorginho, he had 81 pass accuracy, 81%. Like, cool, great, maybe even a little bit low for him. He had a total of three successfully completed forward passes. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek played 45 minutes. He had one successful completed pass. He only attempted two. Um, well, he attempted more, but one essentially completed. Kova, who obviously played the other half, uh, he had three. And actually two of his, or I'm sorry, that was Raheem Sterling. Kova had four. And they were actually all into or just outside of the 18. So you're like, love it. Uh, from a, from a, a pass map eye test, Kova bossed it today. Um. Like, it, he was in progressive spaces. Jorginho was in extremely non-threatening spaces. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he actually was in way more defensive spaces because Jorginho would never get back. Like, I, I think we've been pretty rock solid on not being a J5 Hiver or, you know, a Sariista or anything crazy. But Jorginho absolutely bossed it the year we won the Champions League. And he bossed it by defending like a madman and having Angola Conte at full fitness for the Champions League. Last season, you know, didn't work out. He was fatigued. He was broken after the Euros. 
struggling. Now we're back to this season. He's got a year left. What are we doing? We need to move him out. He doesn't fit the profile we need. He literally sat in the least helpful and the least progressive spaces on the field. And I'm using heat maps and data here, people. This isn't an eye test. He is he is neither... What did I say on Twitter? I said on Twitter, we need Angola Contes and Fabregas's. We have people who are in the middle. So if you look at our midfield lineup, our range right now is... Um, I broke it all down. Give me a second. Um, the fact that, okay, Jorginho, Regista, you know, passing abilities, whatever. Kovacic is a dribbler, high possession dribbler. Conte is a destroyer, disruptor, whatever you want to call it. Connor, he's a motor. That's really what you get out of Connor. Ruben is a big body and he's got some moves. That's it. Like, you don't have a passing specialist, you don't have anyone that can score goals. You don't have a Frank Lampard. We we don't have a Fabregas. We're missing somebody who can play a good ball in behind. We have a very mobile and dynamic and hardworking front three, and we do jack shit to connect with them. And I'm I'm just really upset at how the club have let our midfield get to this old, out of contract, no dynamism lacking of athleticism situation and it is and it was very evident to me last season can't be a competitive midfield you can't be a competitive team in the premier league without an athletic midfield and tuchel has said they didn't need reinforcements i i i'm not a professional manager i disagree to his credit to his credit and I'm, i'm gonna say a name that i don't like to say on this podcast and give them credit but Jurgen klopp came back out and said you know what i was wrong we do need a midfielder like, I am shocked, you know, because they're, A, uh, not a lot of managers admit when they were wrong in a press conference, but two, the fact that he was willing to kind of come out there and say that, like, look, we need re- reinforcements in this area. I just, I wonder if this means Billy stays and maybe he gets an opportunity. I wonder if it means we're going to try to persevere with a different tactical setup where we do play four at the back or we do try to kind of have a, a three-man midfield instead of a, a a two to protect some others it just it feels like though that heads us down a path where some of the players we've recruited already this summer are not the right fit for that you know marco correa is better with a back three back five than he is i would say with a back four unless you're going to push him further forward and like then that like well why are you doing that like i and i know like Todd and team have come in like way later than they wanted to. They were hoping to raft of things early. They're trying to get as much recruitment done. They're doing some great work and we should talk about and maybe make the transition to like what we have to kind of get figured out because this is it. This is now the final moment you have to either get it right from the outside or leverage Neil Bass talent emporium Cobham and reinforce them inside to be competitive across all four competitions this season because we are not durable enough in midfield to compete in every competition. We can't run a press, a high a high press consistently this season with with that with those people. It's I oh man, I've I've really struggled with this. You know, I've been I've been screaming and shouting for midfield reinforcement for a little bit now. I know Tweeds, like I said, has been on it even longer. It just seems this is Dan, this is two years in a row, right? This summer was the year of the center back leaving because all their contracts are up. Next summer, it's the freaking midfield, and we have no contingency plans. And I, it's just we it's negligent. I don't know why we're in this situation. There's, you know, multiple people in charge now of different things like that. But it to me is just massively negligent. We've let our midfield come up with this shape. It is just it is it is so far from where we need it, um, which to your point brings us to the fact that we used to be 48 hours FC with the last pod. Now we're down to 24 hours FC because the window is 
about to shut. Time is ticking. What do we still need to resolve? Well, on the incoming side, it looks like Fafana should be announced by the time you're listening to this. Uh, Aubameyang coming down to the wire. Again, we got an update from um, Fabrizio saying, another meeting was had, but no decision was made. Uh, Anthony Gordon has now scored two and two. Lamp said they're absolutely not letting him go. The deadline has passed. And DeYoung apparently we're going to offer him $15 million net a year. Um, Zaha has been linked. Uh, I, I, honestly, everyone's up. Apparently, we were through a 90 million euro for Gordial, but we're not going to pick him up for a year. I, I mean, it's getting extra silly at this point, Dan. Yeah. And I think there's probably, you would hope there's one surprise left here in by the end of deadline where we have signed someone to help out our midfield someone who can bring the profile that we're looking for and i know there's a lot of focus on if if rice is the guy but you can't get him until next year if deong's the guy but you maybe can't convince him like we've done some good business with kukurea with lester and kind of being you know, calling some bluffs on uh, you got to be 80 plus million okay well it's 70 plus some add-ons so there you go um we reinforce well with some of the players we picked up, but I, I feel like we're heading towards a place where we're going to play. And what we should try is to try playing Trev Chalaba in the midfield. Like, you know, he didn't, you know, um, when he was playing alone and let him try to run it and let him try to be that partner. Like if you're not going to get someone on the outside, try to find an option inside. That's something different than the repeating the same thing that doesn't work over and over and over again. In terms of other incomings, yes, an attacker would be great. Kai Havertz looks like he needs someone to be the competition for him so that he can up his game, and that person, likewise, can be challenged to compete against him. I, But I, if we had more than two come in, including Fafana, I'd be shocked. I just don't feel... I feel like we don't have enough time left. You know, you're, you're working on your paper that's due right before the deadline. You're figuring out what are the pieces or what are the things that I cannot do that might get me docked like a point or two, but I still get full credit for the assignment and at least a passing grade. Like maybe, maybe I don't format it the right way. Maybe I do some funny things that like technically are going to, would have been great, but uh, I'll still kind of pass by here. There's going to be some surprises, Dan. The The question is, are they going to be good surprises or bad <laughs> sure. surprises? Uh, I, I'm going to be quite upset uh, if this is the midfield lineup that we have throughout the season. Look, there's good players in there. It's just no no game changers, no specialists. You know, like J5 hasn't lit the world on fire in the four seasons he's been here or whatever it is. I think we need to stop acting like, you know, he's a, a key to the team's success. My, my biggest fault is like the first half, Ruben was behind and Jorginho was really kind of like the the central mid, not even like his deep-lying position. And in the second half, he kind of stayed floating in the middle, but Kovo was the one pushing on. So then you left that gap in behind us, and it's just like the imbalances in this team right now are, are aggressive. And honestly, you need a leader in the middle. J5 is supposed to be our vice captain. I'm not seeing enough ROI if I'm looking at it in those terms uh, from him. On the outgoing side, Zia seemingly staying as Ajax signed Ocampos. Apparently, they wanted only a loan after snagging $175 million out of Manchester United. You want to talk about who's flush with cash? It's those bastards. Um, I don't even know who Ocampos is, but I guess Zia is, is staying. And like now I'm actually kind of like bummed about that. Gilmore, I can guarantee you he doesn't want to stay under Tuchel. It sounds like he has options, Brighton even potentially, but... As it, well, you have to be a buy because they have Cole on loan, which I think is the thing that... Correct. The the reporting feels a little flimsy on that one because, um, yeah, would you want Billy Gilmore? Sure. Can you actually do it? Yeah. Like, I'm sure that, you know, Frank would love an opportunity to get Gilly, uh, Billy on loan for a season. Um, so, I mean, that theoretically could happen but it feels 
like as much as it sucks that he potentially is going to sit on the bench for other more experienced players who are going to get the nod ahead of him. You're, you're telling me you're going to bet that Kovacic and Conte are going to be able to have enough minutes to cover you for at least 90 minutes of every match of the season. I don't feel like that's a good bet to take. I would take the under every day of the week. And then you have others like Barkley, no longer a Chelsea player. Mutual consent between the two parties, an agreement was made, and he's off and out. And very nice, you know, tribute video he put on Instagram, too. So, um, sorry, it didn't work out perfectly, but, you know, best of luck to him and his future kind of opportunities. And now we have Bakayoko potentially working with AC Milan and Chelsea to end his contract so that he can go potentially to Newcastle. Like, that is an interesting rumor. Like, there's just... Again, we are in the very tail end of what has been a crazy transfer window. And you know what I will say is this is why, as much as it sucked to not be able to make a couple changes once the transfer window ended before the beginning of the season, boy, oh boy, it definitely stabilized things a little bit as you headed in because you knew that you had to figure it out, that there was no break glass in case of emergency. There was no let's spend 70, 80 million Let's go up $20 million on another player that we already bid for to see if we can prime away in the last day because you're over a barrel. You don't even have Alonzo on there because uh, that's a formality <laughs> at this point. Uh, Connor Gallagher being linked again with Palace. But again, we're going to weaken the weakest part of our team. Uh, unbelievable. At least the defense, you have so many versatile players in there. Like Even when you lose two right-sided players, you've got options. Like We don't have options in the midfield. Um so yada yada, um, but look, Chelsea are definitely making the hard decisions, letting people go, releasing them from their contracts, um, which I'm sure is a financial hit. But they just want to clean up this squad. Like there's still a lot that, that you know needs to be done. Bubba Rockman's uh, around, I believe. Mishi is still around. Um, you know, uh, faces that need to find homes. I think what Turkey is the window that's open the longest. So I, I, I know he's been there before. Probably expect him to, to go back. Uh, all right. No Dan of the match. I think we know why. Yeah. We don't do it when we lose. Tiago Silva we the match. We don't do it. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if you would give it to anybody, you'd give it to him. And maybe an honorable mention for Raheem Sterling for uh, scoring back-to-back matches and scoring three goals across two. That's pretty good. Yeah. So um, some of the results today. We... We were the first day, I believe there's more matches uh, on Wednesday uh, to round it out, but uh, Crystal Palace Brentford 1-1, Zaha with some spicy self-criticism of the squad after that one. Uh, Fulham 2, Brighton 1. Excuse me? Okay. Fulham are doing the business. Mitrovic is doing well. He's he has evolved his game. He would like and to. He is looking very good. Yeah, for the first time ever, I think he would like to do two seasons in the Premier League instead of just one and and yo yo back and forth. Uh, obviously, we lost two one to Southampton. Leeds one, Everton one. A big point for the Toffees there. Uh, Anthony Gordon getting the goals we mentioned, and then tomorrow we've got Bournemouth, Wolves, Man City, Nottingham Forest, Arsenal, Villa, West Ham, Tottenham uh liverpool newcastle and leicester city versus manchester united so again uh, having most of the teams only played five matches and the rest on four arsenal on top uh city second spurs third brighton fourth we dropped from sixth to eighth on seven points again still three points off the top four but most of those teams have a game to play so that's not good there's other teams that are going to be gaining points tomorrow that are going to make it more painful for us uh and then just to keep a look at the bottom to know who is uh struggling to swim um bournemouth uh who just sacked their manager scotty parker uh they had they played like three of the biggest teams in the first five match four matches and they sacked him so like yeah his his interview didn't help though i get it on saying it's gonna get worse like that can't build confidence for anybody for sure. I get it. I mean, I just don't know what they expected uh, with that start to the schedule and their $0 investment. Uh, anyways, Wolves in 19th and then Leicester City still in 20th. So uh, again, they've all got chances to earn points uh, to the next day, but not holding my breath for those three teams. So anyways, um, I don't know, Dan, hell of a 
Hell of a midweek start to this season, I guess you could say. Uh, not what everyone wanted. There's a lot of grumpy people out there. Hashtag Tuchelatus is is out there alive and well. There's a few thousand tweets last time I checked. I kind of glanced through it. I mean, there's there's nothing special out there. It's just a bunch of frustrated fans uh, because of the results. But to me, like we're not too far gone. Um, I really want this window to shut, ideally with another midfielder, if at all possible, whether it be Frankie or maybe you know some punt that you take on to bring a player in from a, a smaller league just to see what happens. Uh, but it, it's too early for me. But I think, you know, someone asked me on Twitter, like there's cracks that kind of feels like they're, they're showing in Tuchel, his comments, the players, the results. Um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting build up to the first international break. And the first and only international break before the World Cup. And so we only have a few more matches left to play before we get that little bit of a break here. And it's going to be incumbent on everyone to galvanize, to get ready, to prepare, to attack this. Because we could find ourselves outside looking in. We already are in the top four. But again, it's single point differences. So it's not like it's dramatic. No one has built up a inescapable lead at the moment but it's worrying it is worrying with the quality that we should be able to put on display that we should be able to execute with you know we've been sloppy you know two games with back-to-back red cards has not happened in a very long time for chelsea you know you had unfortunate officiating as part of one of those matches like none of these matches have felt like we have put together a very comprehensive 90 minutes where i feel like we looked and felt like we were in complete control of it. And that's what Tuchel and team against the West Ham side that have also not been good, that have also struggled to start this season, that would be a really, really nice way this weekend to start to set things right. Hey, man, they're splashing the cash. They're not messing around. They're coming out fighting. Um, They just got Paqueta. They're trying to sign some people. Maybe they need some money, though. Maybe we could do a little exchange cash offer. Uh, we've always been pushing the rice deal, but I doubt it is going to happen. So, uh, anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, I do want to shout myself out. Uh, we are, I am trying to do instant kind of the too soon match review after matches on YouTube. So if you're looking for content right after the match, head over to our YouTube channel, London's blue podcast over there. Um, we're getting them up, getting them going. Uh, we're also putting the podcast on YouTube. So if you need another way to watch it or share it out, um, we're actually going to try to start putting the video. So if you want to see us and in, in our cringy reactions to when Nick says hilariously dumb jokes, uh, you can check it out all on YouTube uh, as well. But anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, just trying to give you more content because, you know, we looked at ourselves last season, Dan, and said, you know what we didn't do enough of? We didn't do enough Podcast? content. So we're going to try to do that this year. Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for... Uh, making this the most successful month of the London's Blue podcast in terms of total downloads. And so uh, thank you for sharing, for supporting, for listening, for telling other people about it, for leaving five-star reviews. You know, we can't do it without you, whether it's a a tweet, uh, whether it's a smoke signal, however you get in contact with us, we super appreciate it and uh, being a part of your daily experience and uh, the larger Chelsea community. So thank you very much. And Brandon, do do your usual thing now. All right. Well, hey, plenty more content coming at you this week. Uh, Per usual, I know Nick is recording in person in London with Jesse, so we're going to have some women's content as well. But uh, you know what? That's going to wrap us up for tonight. Hope you enjoyed our first midweek match review this season. Many more coming. Uh, Actually, almost all of the rest of the week's coming with midweek match reviews. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.